0: Hello, it's Graham. Welcome to a classic big interview. Today, join me. We're going back to season 2015-2016. This is what I had to say about it back then. Welcome to the story of Joe Jordan. Joe was part of a, a fabulous lead side. Underestimated, misrepresented, but also One of a colony of great Scots down there, Billy Bremner, uh, Bobby Collins, Peter Lorimer, Eddie Gray, particularly Gordon McQueen, who made a young Scot like me believe that if you were ambitious and aggressive and talented enough, then not only could you succeed, but you could go and succeed in different countries. I didn't know until now that Joe's story intersects with mine a little bit more. 1982, the World Cup, a formative experience for me and my best friend, Graham Runcie. We went there for a month, lived it up. I was broken hearted and I've held a grudge about Alan Hansen bumping into Willie Miller in the final group game, allowing the USSR to burst away and score and ensuring that the 2-2 draw we got that night wasn't good enough for Scotland to go through. But what it also ensured was that Joe Jordan and Gordon McQueen, using Joe's Italian contacts, could travel up later in that tournament to go to the final in Madrid, where Italy beat West Germany. And they celebrated. The following day, Joe and Gordon are in the Madrid airport, ready to fly back to Malaga to join their families in Marbella, when a young child... A story above Joe, up on the first floor, climbs onto the balcony, falls off. And between landing on George or catching this child, a life is saved. As Joe says, had it not been for that moment in the Malaga Stadium when Alan Hansen knocked Willie Miller over needlessly, he wouldn't have been in Madrid and that young child wouldn't have been saved. Life's incredible. Joe's a humble man and we had football things to talk about, which is why I tell the anecdote now rather than pressing on him to tell that tale again during the interview. But what he does do brilliantly is tell you something about a generation of working class Scots from a mining community who were hard, ambitious, intelligent, able to cope with the world. And a talented footballer who I think has been represented as a hard man far, far, far too often compared to being represented as a talented, intelligent, ambitious, successful center forward able to take his trade to Manchester United to be successful to play in a variety of European finals to go to AC Milan to go to Verona to play with Southampton to witness the debut of Matt Latissier with them Alan Shearer arriving at the club but we start with the Leeds years years of exceptional consistent determined football that if you strip away the way that they're pigeonholed unfairly as simply being hard-nosed easy to dislike A team absolutely jam-packed full of talent, inventiveness and a a determination to never let defeat beat them. I love that. And this is how Joe tells that great story in this first part of the big interview with Joe Jordan. It might embarrass you, but it's a huge honour For a Scot like me, who watched you play from when I was very young, marvelled at your skills, admired you, at a time when I thought you represented things that we were really proud of in Scotland. Being strong, independent, talented, successful at a time in the 60s and 70s when I was growing up and we all grew up looking for our identity. And it was great to have role models who could go first to England and then abroad... And it's when I researched before this interview, which we're really privileged to get, so thank you. Pleasure. You began playing with the man known as the King, King Joey Harper, if you're an Aberdonian. Yeah, yeah. If I'm right. Yeah, that's right, yeah. You were so good that you kept Joe Harper in midfield, if I'm not wrong. Certainly. You were the striker and he wasn't. No. I don't know about that. Tell me about no, it. I mean, Greenock Morton.
1: Uh, Greenock Morton. I think Joe Harper and Greenock Morton was as, as big as Joe Harper and Aberdeen. I think he'd he done exceptionally well at Capolo. Uh, and I only played... I couldn't have kept him out that long because I only played six senior games at my time there. But my time wasn't just six or seven weeks. I, I was there for two years at Greenock Morton. First as a part-time player in the reserve, sixteen, and then taking the big decision of becoming a full time player, which my mother didn't want me to do she wanted me to get a profession, a trade, get something behind. Me. But anyway, when I was eighteen, if I was going to progress, I was training three nights a week at Bella Houston Park and working in Glasgow and going to night school. It was trying to do the two of them and and um something I had to give, well that wasn't going to be my football so Eventually I became full time that, that was the right decision I ended up getting six games And from those six games Somebody uh, Seen something in me And, and, and Don Ravey Eventually paid the price And took me down to England Which I'll, I'll, I'll always be grateful for
0: I'm fairly sure he didn't regret it You come from Cleland That's right What, what did Cleland do for you? What, what of Cleland is in you? And wasn't it a place where there had been footballers of great note had come through already that I'd asked, did that influence you at all?
1: Um, yeah, I think it may have done. Cleland's only a small, small place uh, which represents, in, in the Lanarkshire area uh, and other shires in, in Scotland, is it, it was, it's a mining village. And they did produce uh, the most famous of what was Jimmy Delaney, who played for Scotland. Celtic, Manchester United went on and, and, and made a number of records and, and Jimmy was there and he was a friend of my dad's but every other day you would see Jimmy walking along the street or going off, on the bus, off the bus, coming from work and when you see now a, a, a man like that you're looking at someone who'd played for Manchester United and played for Celtic, one cup final medals and the village was I don't know. It was a place where it did breed football players. There was other players that had made careers. There was a lot of lads there who had ability, who played the game in every hour they could possibly get after school. 10 v 10 on the street, in the parks. A lot of them didn't maybe not have the ambition or or, or the discipline or the The desire, Um, and uh, I think I did. You know, I think Cleland gave me that, gave me someone in Jimmy Delaney, for example, some people who had gone and been a success and uh, had made a career uh, out of football, and that's what I wanted to do. There was nothing else that competed with it. You know, eventually at 18, someone I was delay, delayed. I mean, I, I, and I'd always look at Green at Morton because there was a guy there called Eric Smith along with uh, Hal Stewart. Eric Smith was an ex-Celtic player as well, ex-Leeds player. And e- Eric was a great um, example in respect to what I said, disciplines, uh, habits. So at Morton, in the time I was there, I only had one pre-season there, but I did have these nights and the reserve games over the two-year span. But I, w- I was lucky because I worked under... Good people, but Clareland was a place where there wasn't much else to do other than play football, and I wasn't one for going to the pubs or anything like that. So it was a great place for me to, you know, to, to be
0: brought up in. It was it gave me um, good values, I think. I don't want to be cliched, but I do want to ask you a question because in a later generation, a guy who I met and worked around and who became Spain's record scorer. David Villa and comes from a mining community and his dad... There's Rosie. There's Rosie. Rosie likes the question, Joe. That's, that's what's going on there. She's. To David Villa came, he's, he's Asturian from Hijo and his dad was down the mines all his life. His dad took him down the mines just to let him see. Hmm. And Villa says subsequently that that's when he decided that he needed to excel at football because he wasn't going down the mines. Was there ever a moment at which going down the mines might have been an opportunity to make your living or or would you have never done that? How does it feature? Because it's a strong, strong part of the Scottish working mentality. Yeah. Well, my my granddad
1: died in the pits. I I don't really know the the ins and outs of it, but I know he was carted away from the mines uh, to the hospital in like a barra, you know, to get him there as quick as he possibly could And, and he never made it. It never across my mind there, there was no there was no other options that I wanted to look at I, I wanted to be a football player and I had uh, that drive that I, I wanted to be I think there was and people would say I suppose in the village of Cleland that there would have been people more talented than me but it takes it takes more than, than talent and ability to be a football player it's an, an incredibly difficult thing to be a Successful, and you need a bit of luck. Whether it's been the right place at the right time, working under the right people, good people, staying clear of injury, Mm -hmm. and in all those aspects, I think I I was. But down comes in the end. It comes down to the individual to work along with the uh, the way of life takes you. You know the breaks that it gives you, and you've got you've got to take
0: advantage of that. Let's talk about one. I don't know which order in which order to ask these two questions. But let's, let's build up to the second question by asking you, where were you in spring 1970? Because I think that you've got a, a strong-ish towards Celtic. That would have probably been your team growing up. And they would have had one of the all-time classic battles of Britain, Against Leeds mm. in 1970, and we're going to go on and talk about Leeds, obviously. And so, therefore, what did that game mean to you? Did you go to it? it was it the European go- Cup semi-final?
1: Yeah, the, the game. I mean, George Connolly scored the goal at Ellen Road. I think the game was on TV, anyway. It was. A, it was. A, the pitch was terrible. The replay. I went to the replay. A park. park. It was 130,000 there that night. The, t- the two games. One was against Aberdeen as well, I Just because I went to a cup final against Celtic-Aberdeen, it was 130,000 in that game as well.
0: It well, we, incredible. be incredible. If, I, if I'm allowed, in the yeah. presence of a legend, to say the word we, because I do love my club. Yeah. Uh, we lost to Celtic in 1967 in the Scottish Cup final, but um, subsequently won one in 1970 with Joey and the team, and Ty Mackay, and it was also the year that Celtic had made the European Cup final following that semi-final they lost the final and we won, won the cup final so I'm not sure which one maybe the 67 game it may have been that yeah could have been I, was, I went to I, went, I was a Celtic
1: supporter and when Celtic won the, um, the European Cup I went to every single home game Vojvodina Fiorentina I went to them all uh, Dukla Prague but the game you're talking about that was just prior to me going to Leeds yeah, it was, and yeah. I had no idea I went there and Jimmy Johnson was magnificent that night Billy scored, Billy Bremner scored the goal From about 30 yards, to the top corner and That levelled the, 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 the ties and But Leeds were in in the race for the league championship The FA Cup And that, that, that particular tournament, the, the European Cup And they lost them all mm-hmm. I Celtic were the better team that night They were the fresher team Celtic they, Went on and played um, uh, Fionnord.
0: yeah. Did it really matter to you, Joe? Do you know that I've already twice crossed the boundary and admitted how, what an emotional tie I've got to my club, but as a youngster, before you have this career, this fantastic career, did Celtic really matter to you? And I'm dead nosy. What was the process of getting a ticket for a European Cup semi-final or, or going every game in the European run in 67? How did that happen? What did you do? Well, Celtic had uh, a supporters club, and so
1: tickets came that particular way when they moved the game to Hamden Park for the Celtic uh, Leeds game because 70,000 wasn't, wasn't big enough so I managed it? to get a ticket but it was 100, 130,000 but going watching Celtic Celtic were a good team a really good team and it's been looked upon now and, and, and there, were, there were players there that you know, you look at and were special players I mean, I can name quite a few, but none more than Jimmy Johnson. You know, I thought Jimmy could do things as a lad stood there in the terrace and watching a player. And, you think, Phew. and he, he was courageous. You know, he, he not only had the ability, but he could take a whack, look after himself and go on with it. I, I have to say, I was at a game once where it, I think it was Kenny Aird. Kenny was another little winger. And Kenny Aird laid um, one right on Jimmy, a you know, bad tackle, and Jimmy turned around and, and laid him out, sent straight off. But over the piece, over the years, uh, he had the
0: courage to take the ball, knowing that a centre-half or a full-back was going to come, come through him. But you're hinting at the fact that not only did he do that, and entertain millions, and win trophies, but it was quite rare for him to react. Very, very rare. Very
1: rare. But I was there, funnily enough, the the day that for some reason he he lost his rag. But you're talking about week in, week out, year in, year out. And he would would take it, uh, or avoid it, in respect with his ability, jump the tackles, evade the tackles. He was an unbelievable player. and And I was fortunate enough, Later on in, in my career, and when I say that, it was only a, a few years after that that I ended up playing with him, and, and I roomed with him once, which is just amazing the, the way that uh, life takes you. You know, you go from stood on the terrace and watching a player like him, and there was other players that, yeah, you know, like Lennox and Bobby Murdoch and Billy McNeil and that, but Jimmy was the one that, that I looked upon because he could do things
0: you think. Phew, I don't know how he done that, you know, and then he'd go and do it again. Sh- should he have been rooming with you the night that he set off for America from was it Largs in the boat? And because no, I, 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 I t- thought t- you t- might t- have no advised I, him not to.
1: <clears throat> no, I was I was there. Uh, I, I actually I roomed that night with Peter Lorimer and Billy Bremner. There was three in the room. It wasn't <laughs> nowadays players. have got one room, one room, one player. But it was threes, and Peter says, "Oh, he says it." I think there's going to, there could be a, mm. a bit of a night tonight. And we actually, Peter, we, we went, not early, but we, we never went out. And Peter put the chair to the door so nobody got in. And we went to sleep. And then there was a bang on the door very early in the morning. And uh, we were told to, all to report to the, the guest room. It wasn't a meeting room. It was just room, the lounge. And we were in there way before breakfast. It was all going off. You know, there was sirens, It was lights out. the it was a Queen's Hotel, small hotel in Larks. It was unbelievable. And it was just, and Jimmy didn't think he'd done anything wrong. It was just a bit of fun. <laughs> I,
0: I, I might sound stupid, but I kind of see it from his point of view. Yeah. If you can't have a wee laugh in life, and I'll be, so I'll be blunt say that. If I'd if yeah. had a night out and I was a top footballer and yeah. I thought I could get away with it when there was a boat, I think I might have set off yeah, yeah, well, to see as well, because you've got to live a
1: little well, bit. He, he was one that uh, he liked to live, but he, he, he was an exceptional player, a funny, funny man. I really enjoyed being in his company, not only because he was a, an incredible player, but because he was a person with a great sense of humour, I Make mean, you laugh, you know. If you were rooming with him, which I did one trip, which was at uh, Troon, I think, everybody ended up in, in your bedroom. Because Jimmy would
0: tell my stories, you wouldn't get much sleep, but you get a good laugh. Yeah. I saw. Um, I was at a function recently with Bertie Alden. He talked about Jimmy and Jimmy's debilitating disease, and he talked about being with them and taking him out to the Barnabell at the request of De Stefano, and it was a Di Stefano anniversary of some kind. At a point way beyond when Jimmy had played in the De Stefano testimonial. And the Stefano was having some sort of anniversary and had insisted that Jimmy be present. Mm. And Jimmy couldn't make it without Bertie. So Bertie took him there and, um, you know, it's not my team, but, boy, listening to the, the bond between the two men, listening to the loyalty from Bertie who had to... No, he told the story, not me when they reached Heathrow and Jimmy had a drink or two and Jimmy needed to go to the loop, Bertie needed to help him. Mm. But told the story with great good humour and did. And Di Stefano kind of was moved and Di Stefano, one of the, maybe in the top five, six players ever, ever. was moved. That This great Scottish magician had come back again Mm. not well, a couple of years before Jimmy died and that's a heck of a marker of, not just his football abilities you say, but hell of a guy too oh he was he was a terrific player consistency
1: again not just one season but to have a career in the medals he won and, and to compete at that level and, and Scottish football it was competitive then you know it wasn't just uh, Celtic turn up and win the league the Rangers turn up win the league you would know, Aberdeen Hearts and the Hibs D United you know Jimmy was um, he was world class in my Special. opinion you know? when I picked my
0: team He's my star man. It was unbelievable. Well, we jumped, because Jimmy's special, we jumped a little bit. And, and I, I think it's an evident testimony of how special you are that if you've had six games from Morton, and if I'm right, you're playing in a pre-season friendly acting at Morton, Leeds have sent Don 't th- I think possibly because of another Celtic and Leeds legend. It was mentioned, we, we sat down with Gary McAllister recently and Gary talked about the lineage of fiery, talented Scottish midfielders at Leeds from Bobby through Billy Bremner to eventually himself. He didn't try to put himself in that category, but he was talking about a strain of thinking at Leeds. And he talked about Bobby Collins. And, and I think Bobby had a role in, in, in recommending you and, yeah. and, and saying very early in your, in your professional career to Leeds, who are Britain's number one club at the time, I think, nearly. Yeah. This yeah, is yeah. the fella. Tell us about the process. What happened... Uh, Bobby,
1: um, Bobby arrived back at the uh, twilight of his career, that was it, and he came back to Scotland, and it was green Up Morton, and I think it coincided with me being uh, part-time to full-time, just round about then, and um, I get pulled with Bobby one one day in the dressing room, and um, he says, uh, leads are interesting, I-, I think they're going to make a bid for you, I'm 18, I've played a couple of games and Bobby Collins is telling me this and uh, <clears throat> that sort of conversation leads you not to sleep at night, you know. So one thing led to another and it happened pretty quickly and he said again, they, have made, they are going to make a bid for you. And all the time, uh, you know, we're doing the pre-season and we're into the season now and um, Hal Stewart is saying nothing to me, absolutely nothing, but I, I know and then um, me and Bobby, I play, one of the games I played was at Ibrox. And uh, I've either won 1-0 or 2 nothing. I've got a picture. And Bobby scored one of the goals. I think the goalkeeper must have parried it out. And Bobby's hit it from two yards. And he's tried to burst the net with it <laughs> from two yards. In Morton, in my six games, I, that was one of my games. And we got to Ibrox and we, and we won. I think it was 1-0, which was unbelievable. But Bobby... Bobby what, was what Leeds stood for. Bobby, I mean, I, I listen many occasions where Jack Charlton he'll go up at a dinner and go up and and he'll say the two greatest players at Leeds United uh, are John Charles and Bobby Collins. Bobby Collins, and then he'll go on Jack and tell you what what Bobby Collins was. Bobby Collins is what Leeds United stood for. What he um, gave that club the standards. And you ask any of the players. Eddie Gray, your Peter Lorimer, your Paul Maidle, your Paul Rene, all the players that are still about. And the older ones, when I say the older ones, that were the ones that are still alive who were at the beginning in the 60s of Don Revy's Leeds United, Bobby Colmes. And Don Revy brought him from Everton and put him in that dressing room. And it was not just what went on in the field of play, it was in the dressing room. So I seen that in uh Green and dressing room as well. As I say, I, I left Capello with good habits. Because th- these people, like I said, my manager touched on Eric Smith when it was part-time, and, and Bobby Collins, what he stood for, you know. Every training session at Leeds United was proper. You know, it was um, nothing nothing taken, nothing given. It was you know, competitive. There wasn't like, even on a Friday, five a side... There was no standing back. It was a game to win, and that was Bobby Collins. Now, if you go and those ex-teammates, I mean, and they will tell you exactly that. And I became I became very friendly with Bobby, although there was a big age gap. I I, I kept in contact with him right through my my career. He ended up um, in Godfather, one one of my kids he used to go to his house regular. I remember he did ask, and he received see when I was in Italy. Betty, his wife, uh, wanted to, uh, to get him a pair of Italian shoes. So we had to go and search, and I don't know, his size were about five, something like that. So we had to go and search for these Italian, wanted Italian shoes, and we got them. And he passed away there, not long back there, and he still had the Italian shoes. He was an immaculate man, immaculate dress, but his standards, his, his will, he win, I think, typifies for me... A real
0: Scotsman In this series Particularly with a friend of yours Harry Redknapp I, I felt While well, my facts were hooked I, I want to know about Bobby Collins now For me But what we found Is when I was starting To talk about John White Who my dad had told me about mm-hmm. Who i had never seen But my dad just mentioned The two that My dad talked about a lot Charlie Cook And, and John White I was able to see Charlie And meet Charlie And that was a great thing He'd always said that maybe John White might have gone on to be one of the all-time greats. So I asked Harry about him, and Harry had known him when Harry was a junior at Spurs, so we talked about them. And on Christmas, John's brother and sister had heard the interview, had been given it by a friend, and listened to Harry and I talking about John and been in tears. But also people flooded us with, my dad said, my uncle said, my granddad said about John White. So now we're at that moment with Bobby, You've described him beautifully as a man, but there'll be an appetite for people listening to this, Joe. But just describe him a little bit what he did as a footballer. What kind oh. of footballer are we talking about?
1: Sometimes some I, I look at people uh, analysing like midfield players that I played with and, and, and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, they'll talk about Johnny Giles, Billy Brennan, Graham Suinus, and, and, and all these, all these with Brian Robson. Uh, and they'll go on about um, these people and they'll go on about them as the hard men, competitive men, don't give an inch. That really goes without saying, these people that I mentioned, whose names I mentioned, they had a ability, you know, and people shouldn't, they look at them and, and bracket them, oh, these players could compete, these players wouldn't give an inch, we'll take nothing. That's fine, but don't overlook, don't think that that is all these players, uh, that was their, their strengths. That was along with the ability they had. And sometimes I, I think they're not given the credit because people allowed on what? They could compete. They, 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 they wouldn't back off. They would a tackle in. And that was for starters, you know. What went along with that was the ability that they had. Now, if we come to Bobby Collins, and I mention those because some people would, would know their names, Bobby Collins cannot be forgotten because he was the giant in that legionated dressing room, uh, and that was before I went there. And his legacy was still there because of what those players produced and carried on. So it wasn't the fact that Bobby could tackle and look after himself and other people. It was what he, the standards he set on the field, that had the desire to win, the passion to play the game. And then we'll maybe talk about his ability, which some people just overlook it as they do the other guys. He could pass a ball left and right. You know, he had a range of passing. Could tackle, could score goals, score goals, midfield, great striker of the ball. He had a package he had he had it all, and this came every week mm. and if he did have an off day he's one of these guys and there's there's not many that can do it when he's not playing well, he can still tell you and me and someone else hey get a grip sharpen up now that is that is a is a great asset to have that is a an incredible strength. To be able to do that when things, as a captain, as he was, aren't going particularly well for you, but you still make sure that other people, on that odd occasion, that his own game's not right. That
0: is, that's something that sets a player out from others. We, we live in an age where we, we probably have too much opportunity to watch too much football. Is it times like this that if you feel it's a sin that there aren't acres and acres of... Video footage showing Bobby. I'd love to go back and watch and learn based on what you've said to go back and appreciate that we've got your words and they're, they're brilliant, descriptive words. But boy, I'd love to have seen a man like that play.
1: Yeah. Well, I just um, I was in the dressing room with players who who um, who played with Bobby at his peak, and his, his peak then was after he'd had a career at Celtic and at Everton, and then come to Leeds. And he still had enough about him and he would have been in his early 30s then, late 20s, early 30s, to have all these young players like your Norman Hunters and Eddie Greys, Paul, They were led by this guy. They, they learned the game and what the game meant by Bobby Coles. And, and Don Revy on the field of play allowed Bobby to educate these players
0: mm-hmm. what it was, what it meant to play for Legion they There, They're was going to... Segue into, because I have a fascination about Don, and because you were there, because Eddie Gray, I thought was when I was growing up, I thought was a genius. I would have paid everything I ever had to watch Eddie Gray play because he was so good, but when you throw in um, yourself and eventually David Harvey and Gordon McQueen, Peter Lorimer, it leads what I said, I followed all the time, um, right from my earliest days. But I never really understood, I haven't really understood Don really well, and didn't know until very recently that as a footballer himself, before we even talk about what he was as a leader or an organiser or a builder of a club and a coach, that he'd been a very, very good oh, player. Yeah. He was a football writer's yeah. player of the year in 55 at City. Described, I never saw it, obviously, as, as a sort of hiddiguti, this deep-lying striker. Yeah. That, that There's nothing new under the sun. We, we all got very excited about Messi being moved deep. and So... If Bobby was his representative on the pitch, who, describe the man that you met who, who signed you, having seen you playing at centre half for Morton against Jeff Assel in a friendly, yeah. which would have been an experience at the time. Yeah, it would have been.
1: It was the first and only time I played centre half, but um, I think, he, he, obviously, he, um, he, he came with Maurice suddenly that night. I'll, I'll never forget it. Uh, Anglo Scottish singing. I must have done all right. I think we got a draw. But uh, he, was, he was a meticulous guy. Someone that had a, a presence, never missed a trick, knew everything that was going on. Somebody you would play for, someone who who you would trust, someone you thought would uh, he'd look after you. Loved his football, loved his team, loved his players. Uh, he got a little bit of criticism, I suppose you could call it criticism, yeah. for his um, his thoughts and his actions and his preparations. On the opposition, I, I, I never thought that was a big deal. You know, I, I think it was exaggerated a bit. He, he, he
0: did pay respect to the opposition, uh, but not. Just if you explain what you mean by that? Because there'll be a lot of people don't understand what he might have been criticised for in terms of his preparation. Well, the they were, they were, they, like I think when he went to England and
1: all these other players, um, they hadn't come across it before, where there was maybe a dossier on a player or a dossier on the team, mm-hmm. an, in, an insight into who you were playing against and how they played, what their strengths were, what their weaknesses were. And Don had that. But I can't really remember sitting down and getting a, a dossier in writing. He may have done it when he went to, to England. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe these these players were, were there for three or four days. He maybe had, thought he had to get it in reprint. But I do remember sat there... We would have a, a, a pre match meal, I think it was a, the Manor House in Leeds, and then we'd come back down to Ellen Road and we would be in a, a, the lounge. He had a players' lounge in Ellen Road and we'd all sit down. He would be announced, he would go, I mean, then he would eventually announce the team, but he would, he would get us in there and watch the TV or you know, lead up to grandstand, whatever it was, and then he would talk through the game that they were going to get involved in at three o'clock. And he would maybe enlighten you on what he thought you needed to know regarding the opposition, whether it was an individual or what they were going to face as a player or as a, a as a team.
0: You know, and, but that, that's taken for granted now. But he he did that. It is now, Joe. But I, I'm listening to what you've said about Bobby and Eric, and what you learned, the habits you learned at Morton. Although this was a, a big step for even a talented young man, it was it was still a big step you'd made. I imagine that when these things were happening and he was briefing you all, at the time it made perfect common sense to you that you would prepare. Is that fair, or or was it kind? Did it feel a bit new and odd? Not really, um, because when I went when I went to Leeds, everything
1: at Leeds was was professional. Um, it was a way that, and I, I wouldn't know. I couldn't really compare it with, with all I could compare it with Morton, and I've got to say Morton were all right. But I was a part time at Morton, and I was only full time. For two or three months but everything at Morton was fine but when I went to Leeds everything was professional everything was what had to be done was done it was run with the same habits and disciplines that Don Revy gave to the players and the players took that on board when they crossed the line and I think that was one of their, their big strengths you know to, to be because now again as time is shown there. And unless you have these values in a, in a football team and club, you cannot be successful. And you cannot be successful uh, for a, a period of time. You, you, you have got to have a like a, a philosophy, you've got to have a way of playing, you've got to have a way of running the club. And until that's sorted out, you may get an odd break where you get a cup or something like that, but you will not have consistency, you will not be competing year in, year out. You may not win, But the great thing about Leeds United was, and it's unfortunate in a way, was because they they came second numerous times. But the following year, they were there again. They competed and the knockback that they'd had, they got up and they would go again. And that was down to the determination and the way things were run by Don Revy.
0: I hope you, it's already established that both Neil and I, and I think the listeners know that we're talking to you because Leeds, for all the other reputations they had, you would a team of fabulous footballers. I think that's underplayed. That right across the squad, whether it was brilliance in marking, and I remember admiring Rini and Madeleine, whether it was passing or the ability to beat a man, shooting from distance, whatever it was, to my eyes then, and looking back, it was all there. What I also think has been forgotten, and I begrudge this, is that Leeds, both before you joined and afterwards, played in European finals in 67, 68, 71, 73 and 75. Mm. I still think that talent and well-coached and planned and philosophy aside, I still think that's an extraordinary achievement. Some of the trophies were won. Mm. And if I'm right, very early, very early, before you're an established... First team, you play in the build-up to winning the Fairs Cup that becomes the UEFA Cup and the Europa League now? In, you, you play in big games against Victoria and, and then yeah. eliminating Shankly's Liverpool. Yeah, I got, a touch, I got a
1: touch, an early touch of what it was all about. Um, I do remember that because Billy scored in the semi-final at, uh, at Anfield. Unbelievable. He'd been out for about six weeks with an ankle injury. Billy was a bit unique that way. He trained, I think, two days. There is no no way that a, a normal uh, football player... I mean, they have going on about De Bruyne, who's come back, and, and he's the boy did fantastic. But he's been rehabbed and all that. And that shows you what a good player he is. And, but Billy was such a natural football player. But it was only a few days, and he goes to Anfield, and he played. And... Uh, You know, the adrenaline in him, um, he had a marvellous game, and he scored what proved to be the winning goal. one an away goal there, uh, 0-0 at Ellen Road, I think, and and that was it, we're through, he played Juventus in the final. And that was an early insight to me, because I think that the Juventus trip was my first time abroad, you know. So I went there, it was great, it was
0: fantastic. So let's put that in context, you've come in after a couple of months of being a professional, still a very young man, you've been anointed by Bobby Collins which is something in itself should be a, an experience so special that it might be the only special thing that happens to you for a couple of years you get an early touch you've knocked Shankly's Liverpool out it's a shame in the two legs of the first cup then I don't think you're on the pitch but yeah. you're involved yeah. and you've never been abroad before you're playing Capello's in midfield, yeah. Betka yeah, up front, yeah.
1: Anastasia. I front it was unbelievable because I remember at Ellen Road I mean, you 've back back quite a few years the the, the, the toilet players in the Juventus dressing room had to come out come along the corridor and it was a, like a, a toilet so they were coming out to go to the toilet but they were also coming out to, to warm up and you see these guys come up like and that and they had a couple, a couple of, uh, uh, I think Helmut Haller was in the team yeah. and these guys are coming and these are guys that you have seen playing in like say we're World Cup finals and things like that <laughs> and you're thinking it's unbelievable you know and the foreign scene is completely new to me and to be a, a part of it was brilliant as you say I never got involved in, in, in the final but I went there and, and we were actually entering and the game got postponed oh, I didn't know that yeah it did once he got postponed it got abandoned is it fog it was rain they played the game and they played it to a point where it was like on a, say on a Wednesday night they played it to the point where they never get their money back you know <laughs> so and then they abandoned the game and Thank that was you. a Wednesday and then they played the game on, we stayed over so, with two days extra in Turin, played on the Friday.
0: How did Don treat those two days? I, I, I can't remember. Did you treat? No. I can't remember. Because the game's taking place, they going to take place at the, stadio, the old Stadio Comunale. Yeah, Comunale, yes. It's years before the Deli Alpi, and they're now back at the Comunale. And I suppose, given the preparation, I was, I was, listen, if you get, it's a long time ago, but I'm curious because. He's got you to a certain peak. As a meticulous man, he's got his preparations just right. You play three quarters of a game, you stop, you've got to stay in Italy, it's unscheduled, but you have to have your mentality and your fitness yeah. and everything back right again. Not an easy job, particularly in those days, I'd have said. Well, it was, uh, it was a one-off, you know, that didn't happen. There was a talk about
1: going back to Leeds and then coming back, but that was cancelled. We, we I know we were out of the city we were up not in the mountains but up in the, the 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 hills. Uh and then coming down I do remember coming down for um for, for a visit. Uh, I mean Turin's a lovely place and coming round in a little bit of uh you know, a break. Uh, but that's all I can remember. And then the game getting played on a Friday night in, in Leeds, we eventually won in away goals, two two. Mm-hmm. And then they the the the, won the the sorry, the, the one won the cup by the away goals.
0: And that was fantastic, you know. Was, as I say, it was my first, my first time abroad. You used a football phrase there, which is still in, love it, a little bit of touch. So you, it was to indicate that this was you playing before you were really, really established. What's the process? How did you assess the process of establishing yourself within this character-filled training ground, dressing room, beyond training well, beyond playing well? Was there a point at which you had to did did anybody seat you out? And did Billy help you? Did you have to? Was there a point at which you had to knock somebody over on a Friday before? Yeah. I... Because when you mentioned the five or six games on a Friday, you, what you were hinting was that you played it as if it was the Saturday match, yeah. whether you might injure a, a, a fellow yeah. player or, or not, which is a it's a big thing for people to understand, yeah. I think, because now there might be a bit more cotton wool actually. Hell's teeth, don't injure this fella. Yeah. Because. What, what did you have to do to adapt? Because that was one characterful squad.
1: Yeah, well, I think I see that there was one
0: benefit then. Um,
1: from from, I think it's hard for for young boys to come through a team like a Legion 8 or say it like a Chelsea now or a, or an Arsenal. I think circumstances have got to fall into place. I think, as I say, I think it is really difficult now because you look at the squads and they need. Instant success. Mm-hmm. In those days, there was an investment in me, which I think I went for fifteen grand, which was a, wasn't a lot of money, but for a young lad from from nowhere, it was a bit of money. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they had they had invested that, so I was part of the squad. So I, I if I was part of the squad, uh, they had to they had to make use of that. The squads were s- small; they weren't enormous. I did get my chance, I got my chance because Don Revy obviously seen something in me and as I progressed he's seen that I was getting to the point where I was competing and then when I did compete I definitely think that again he's seen something that made him think well we've got an asset here, you know. we've got to use him but I've got to say it wasn't easy getting into the Leeds United team because these players were all international players they were a group they were a team that had been successful and there was a formula there uh, so you had to do everything and be ready for that opportunity whenever it uh, would arise and I got more opportunities whether it was through
0: playing well or through injuries or what I got in daily on a daily basis in training in training games were you up against Norman and initially Jack Charlton yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. no I once, once I uh, I settled in and come through. I mean, I went there, and although I had been training at, at Capello and that, uh, and I'd done my preseason, I was I was way behind because I'd only been training as a as a full time pro for a short period of time. Come to Ellen Road, yeah, I I, I, I would I would say when I first arrived that that, f- that first three or four weeks, I would have said I took a step back, and that would have been uh, down to trying to catch up on uh, the um, the fitness levels of the other players at my age, never mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, seen the senior players. Yeah. yeah. So that that was something that, that came by training every single day and, and training at, at that standard. So eventually it came through that and um, then I, be, I became a part of the squad, a young lad at the time. I got mod game and um, sure enough in it that uh, the Don Revy um, took note of it and
0: brought me on and played me whenever it was necessary. In this series when we were talking with Graeme as, as he talked about the England-Scotland games and with Terry Butcher in England-Scotland games at Ibrox when they were there together and for a youngster looking in it was great to see Scots all over that squad but was there a, a divide in training, was there a, would Jack Chatelain's a proud Englishman trying to put you up in the because you were a young Scot? Or how, how were the no, teams divided up in no, training? No, you didn't need to be Scot for... Uh, Scott for
1: <laughs> no, for, for Big Jack to do. They were the most competitive games, training sessions, and I'm 18 then, than I've had in my career in training. And all the clubs I've been at, they were played in the same way, as you said earlier, like a Saturday game. The Friday game was played like a Saturday game. And... That there was nothing, nothing held back. <laughs> Full unbelievable. on, unbelievable, unbelievable, and um, and at the end of it, they would have a vote, which a lot of a lot of clubs do it now. They have a vote on who was uh, the worst player, and it, it was you know people would fall out because of the votes going to a certain individual and him not accepting it. The dressing room and the training ground, not just at Ellen Road. But in a football club, in that era, and I think it has altered a little bit now, could make you or break you how you handled the pressure that went by being involved with these individuals, both on the training pitch and the dressing room, you had to handle it. You had to get on with it. And nobody would look after you? Um, No, it wasn't a case. You had to survive it. You had to handle. I mean, Don Revy... I think he maybe I thought he was doing me a favour when I came down. Don Revy stripped me between Peter Lorimer and Eddie Gray. Mm-hmm. Now he'd done that because it was two Scots, and he thought that they would have a kind of. He wouldn't have done it next to Billy because Billy would have been ripping into you left, right, and centre, you know, and, and the big jock coming from that. You know
0: So it's the first time this morning you've confused me. Go on. Explain that. What, what, Billy would have. What? But Billy was. Um, What would you say? He
1: was a character, Billy. He was a a laugh, um, but he he wouldn't treat you as uh, an eighteen. Or he would treat you as a pro. You're there. You handle it. You got on with it, and and that's the way he was. Everybody's everybody's different. Eddie and Peter, they they would take the mic, uh, but they'd be a wee bit more sympathetic. But the older general like, say, and Jack, and I, they, they were there. So Don Revy put me in between these two younger elements of the squad. They, they were, I've been 18, so they would maybe about 23, 24, to look after me. So that, that was basically it, you know. That, that was his thoughts. Billy, Billy would look after you in the game, but in the dressing room, he, he treated everybody as an equal, you know. If you were in there, in the pros' dressing room, got
0: on with it. When were you allowed to prank Jack? Jack wouldn't have been there for the for a massive part of your career but you wrote about Jack Charlton was the subject was probably the principal subject of what is a, a staple part of your football dressing room. Yeah. Shuming at other people's expenses or tit for tat stuff that either gets out the adrenaline or the testosterone but a lot of fun is had at other people's expenses and it seemed to me that when you wrote about your life in football that Jack very often was the butt of that. I don't know why uh, because Jack would react. Jack would have, if he if he ever
1: caught anybody, would have him up against the wall. Jack. When Jack <laughs> I Jack. I remember Jack. Winter's Day, snow, Elnora Car Park, two foot deep. Well, they they took Jack's keys, his car, uh, while he was getting insured, and they went they went out and they rolled up in the snow and put a snowman on the driver's seat. <laughs> they rolled it up and they, they got a carrot and. The so they sat it in his in, in his car, and then went back in the dressing room and put the keys back in his pocket and Jack jacket to go out. Opened the car and the snowman sat in the car. And if Jack had caught anybody doing that, he would have killed them, you know. And that's why, I think that's why they they, they were in that. And Jack was was fearsome. He was a terrific person, a terrific player, but he was someone. That, Jack was a legend. Jack had a World Cup final medal, you know. Jack was. Very funny man, isn't he? He was was a great, great guy. Bumped into him, did a dinner, sort of like a a reunion about just over a year ago, and Jack was there. He's
0: sharp. He's the great skills of a rack on turn. Unbelievable, yeah. And I remember um, a friend of yours, Jim Lawton, writing um, Bobby Charlton's autobiography with Bobby. And uh, having met Jack a lot and listened to him a lot, Without thinking it through, he was kind of my favourite Charlton, and then you see his brother, who's quite different in, in temperament and mentality, or that. But one heck of a family, and I think they're related to Jackie Milburn as well, aren't they? I think so. And, yeah, and that tells you that's some blooming yeah. lineage that is. Yeah. it? big Jack's great company, great company. But he, he was
1: he was coming to the end, eh? And, and it was, aye, he was coming to the end of his career, and he eventually went off to Middlesbrough, but. I had the pleasure of playing alongside him, playing against him in, in the training games and that and going into the Ellen Road uh, because when I first arrived at Ellen Road, that would be 1970 and there was about five or six World Cup cars four Cortina GT or something and I thought, I don't believe this I'd bought a car at uh, Glasgow Car Market me and my went in and bought it and um, he eventually drove it down and to get a panel beated and something that like, you know, and all the uh, the, the engine. My, 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 the engine's good. The engine's good, the body of <laughs> <Well, laughs> so I'll take the nicks and the bangs yeah, out. Of it. But just going and getting that car park and all these, you know, the Paul May, the Paul Rainey, Alan Clark, Les Corker, all
0: these England players from right? the from the nineteen seventy yeah. World Cup yeah, they're all there with a. Goodbye, it. We'll be watching and waiting. Yeah. By the time you're established, you did something which... I mean, Joe, I would literally talk the hind legs off you and the donkey, but we can't do every glorious thing in, in your Leeds career, and there's so much more to talk about. But by by the time you're thoroughly established, you play against a hero of mine who died recently, Johan Cruyff. You, you've played against Milan in another European final in which you, you play very nearly score... A final which doesn't look too pretty when you look back at the refereeing, although that AC Milan side could also really, really play. Um, a game in Greece, I think. I, I yes. don't know what your memories are of that, And but, no, but you, like you damn it. nearly score and you damn nearly make and you stand out. And I'm sure maybe in later years, that performance <laughs> against AC Milan comes back to do you a favour. But these two years, eras, I want, I want to, Milan beating Leeds and then coming on to the semi-final against Barcelona... Were, again, because you were on television as a young Scot, I followed very closely, and they must have been epic nights, epic experiences.
1: Yeah, they were. Uh, that one, maybe uh, 73, I think, AC Milan and Salonica. I do remember it. It looked an awful, um, what would you say, an, an awful result in that the best team didn't win. No. It wasn't fair. I mean, there's nothing you can change now, that's, uh, that's the circumstances. But Leeds deserved to win that. It was an awful um, advert for, for football in the injustice of the game. To lose the game in that manner, I mean, and against a club that I later played for, and they, they are a great club. But on the night, uh, Leeds United
0: should have won the game. He, he, the, the neutral fans were there, boo Milan at the end when yeah. the whistle goes, jeer and boo them. If I'm not wrong. I think you play without Brendan and Giles. I can't really remember the team. And you very nearly score yourself, and it's an early free kick, and it goes away from you. And as a result, I suppose, that by the time Don's gone to England and Jimmy's taken over, and only two years later, you go all the way to a semi-final and a final. Does the bustle in a game stand out as an experience too? Because...
1: It it does. You you mentioned, I mean, it is... is, um... It's a rain check, you know, when, when you get someone like uh like Cruyff and he dies, and I'm I'm telling my lads now, and they they, they know Johan Cruyff, but they they don't know what he stood for. Now there was only maybe four or five years difference in age between him and me, but it was five years four or five years is a huge chunk. If I'm sixteen, seventeen, he's twenty-one, and so I'm at 16, he's 20, he's, he's doing it. He's only 20 years of age, but I'm a kid at 16, I'm watching this guy playing in European Cup finals and being the player, the player, the world player. He was doing things that were new, doing things in a team that Ajax, never heard the Ajax. This jersey, never seen a jersey like that before. Never seen movements, uh, the control... See, someone said that, I mean, he didn't. I remember himself saying that he didn't have pace. I thought he was. I thought he was lightning. He seemed to float, Joe. He was. He, yeah, he was elegant. He was an unbelievable player. And I ended up playing against in the European Cup semi-final. And he would be 27, 28 He was at, at his peak. He'd won all the uh, three European Cups, and he'd gone to Barcelona. So we're, we're playing him in the semi-final. They, they were obviously. A terrific team Croy for and people like that and we um we won two one. You make both the goals.
0: I had a hand in both the first th- one's lovely. Giles to Jordan. Jordan down. Billy Bremner right, right foot, top corner. It's a gorgeous goal, eh? Yeah, it was Billy's strike.
1: was that was Billy. Semi final Billy scored big games, Billy scored goals in big games, you know. The Celtic game we're spoken about semi finals, European Cup, Barcelona, semi finals, bump, goal. Then the, the the replay, I'd already played it in the, the new Camp. Is that right? For... Yeah, I played. It would have been my first, one of my first games, one of my first games. When the first cup, the first winners of the first cup was, um, I've got a medal, was Barcelona. And the last winners of the first cup was Leeds United. So they played to see who kept the trophy.
0: I never knew that.
1: Yeah, I've got a medal, I'll show you before. Gosh. And uh, I scored. We get beat two one, and I scored. I scored in, in, in Newcastle. Wow! I was a kid. That was that was one of my first games. I'd be nineteen then.
0: What sort of year then in that? Case? That would be seventy two. So just before Cruyff, I yeah. think cause well, he 70- signs in seventy three anyway. Yeah, so seventy two, the year the same year as Rangers playing the camp now to win the the Cup Winners' Cup. It's a, it must have been, had you played in a stadium like that before. No, I don't think you could have done. Was it an an impressive experience that night? Well, it was for me. Yeah. Yeah, it was for me because um, I, I'm
1: I'm kicking off. I score a goal, uh, and I'm playing against uh, a top a top club
0: in the world. So probably a hundred thousand people there. I don't think there was. Not so full. No, it wasn't full. I've never heard of this game. I just didn't know. No. It's nice to be educated. Yeah. You nice, to, nice to get a medal. So, yeah. but then you knock them out in the camp now because you go there having one, two one at Elland Road and you knock them out in the second leg at the camp now, which I think's maybe a draw.
1: But it was a draw. Peter Lorimer scored. Long ball I flicked it on, and Peter's hit it from about 20 yards, top corner. And then Gordon gets sent off. He gets sent off. So it will be 10 men, and then they scored a goal, and they drew 1-1, and, and we got... I, I got a, a right batter in the second half. I I got five, five... No, first half, sorry. First half. So I got five stitches at half-time. I got a real batter, and someone done my nose as well two two incidents off the ball both off the ball deliberately oh, I mean, they, they were very very cleverly done you know and, and there was no referee never done never seen it and that was an experience for me I, I was I'd be 21 22 or something then but they that's
0: uh, a punch is it I'll give you money, it's, it's Migueli, it's without any question. Migueli, I hat, played against Migueli. Migueli was. Migueli was, I played
1: against him, I played against him in Scotland, he, he was, he's hard and competitive, and I got on with it, there was a Brazilian played in the team, Okay, I couldn't really tell you who, who did it, but it was, it wasn't one uh, incident, it was a, f- there was a few, obviously it was a game, a huge game, anyway, we, we won it, so, the take it as it comes, it was, it's history, you know, last life. It was something that uh, you have to face, and something that I did face throughout my career. and That was part of the
0: game. Really, there's a chance yeah. we try to be. F- f- we get. We've had something like two and a half million listeners so far. Every all these interviews are free because all we want to do is to have these beautiful experiences and share them. Mm. But what we get is a big feedback, and we like people to ask. And that's maybe a straightforward question, but we've two that have deluged us more than any other time we've offered the chance to ask. One is, I don't know whether people mean your, your meanest opponent, but in those days when, before the game graduated a little bit and when it was still, not a free-for-all, but the interpretation of the laws, would, maybe you've already said who your hardest opponent was and it was in training. People deluged us. Who was your hardest opponent in your in your career?
1: I've been asked that many a times and I, I do not have... One, because I, I looked at every game. If I take the English League at that time, every game for me was a was a hard game. Mm-hmm. It was a centre centre half or two centre halves. I never I never had an easy game. Mm-hmm. I never looked upon it as the game being easy. I, I, I me personally, I, I had to be at my peak in respect physically and, and mentally. Uh, to handle the standards that I was playing, I had I had to be on on my game. A lot of my game was, was the, you know, was the physical side of it because I I was a player that I was asked to do this or, and prepared to do that from beginning to end. It, there was not just a physical running, but. You, you're going up. You're, you're exerting yourself. You're heading the ball. You're competing for tackles. You, there's there's times when people are hitting you. You know, so you, you've got to go over that. And referees ha- gave them two or three for free, didn't they? In those days. Yes. Yes, they did. Yeah. yeah. No question. Yeah. That 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 you, you just accepted. And I was I was lucky. Touching wood. I didn't, I got away with not having too many. I, I had my share injuries, but nothing really uh, severe. Uh, so I was I was very lucky, because you're right, the first 15, 20 minutes, anything went, <laughs> and the referees would turn around and have a word, possibly, coming up to the end of that 20 minutes
0: to the to the centre half, you know. So you had to keep the temper and keep yeah, the legs on for well, 20 me, minutes, yeah. and then maybe you could play. And then
1: it would settle down, and, and um, the referee had to
0: take hopefully take action then. But there was no names... You know See I, I think I'm interpreting for a lot of people I yeah. don't think it was just like Who battered you And who battered you Who had that mix as well Of being A really hard physical game But could play Brilliantly ah, well, there, there,
1: there, was, there was lots I mean you know, there is You can check the stats Between the mid 60s And the mid 70s Over that 10 years There's actually about Seven teams Won the English First Division You had Arsenal, Everton, mm-hmm. Leeds, Manchester City. City, Man United, and Derby County mm-hmm. at six. So the, the game was so competitive. It wasn't like a two horse race. No. Every year and there would be another team who would, the players would be back or the boats brought someone in or a players matured. So if you look at the midfield partnership, you know, unbelievable, you know, um Gels and and you look at the other ones, Bobby Charlton and Styles, or uh, you look at Ball and Harvey. And you, you know, you go through the, these teams in that division. So the same applied to centre halves as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. So they were each team that there wasn't that much between them. You know, nobody was running away with it, and no one was going to disappear. They, they were there or thereabouts. And that, that's what made Leeds great because they they were there every single year, and that's what. You know, for me was it that I mentioned there yeah, that was a great strength of Leeds United because they would come back yeah. through having a, a season where the, the big one what I mentioned nineteen seventy where they lost the three targets they were going for. But that I remember sitting in buses and coming away Leeds the one the FA Cup and I didn't play, but I was I was there Against Arsenal, no against Arsenal yeah. getting on the bus on the Saturday night and having to play the game on Monday mm-hmm. at Wolves having to win, there was two other teams waiting, had to win the Wolves game to win the league championship four years after playing a cup final. That would not happen nowadays. And then... It's a great injustice. It was you wrong. You can't do yourself justice. No, it was it was wrong, but that was the dis- big disappointment. But the fall year leads her up and <laughs> away again.
0: So... Rosie's angry now. Yeah. I like her. I like she, she understands soccer. Then... The way I move, because if you will allow it, there's still a lot to ask you. 75 in the final that you've qualified for against Bayern Munich is a horrible memory for so many different reasons, mostly football, but tell me if I'm right. that Either Jimmy or the club decided to let Don lead you out. To the final, is that right? No. My memory was that Don Revy was involved in the build-up to, to that final. It's in Paris, isn't it, against it's, Bayern Yeah, Munich. it was.
1: Part of France... I think Don Evans was at the game, but he was in the stand. I, mm-hmm. I, I can't recall, but I, I know he, he was. He was there, mm-hmm. uh, but that, that's I never I never seen him on the trip.
0: What did the game feel like?
1: Uh, again, you, you look back on it, uh, but people tell me I've never seen the game, but I've I've seen the penalty that was wasn't it, um, on Alan on Alan Clark, mm-hmm. and obviously I've seen Peter Lorimer's goal from twenty which yards, which is just a goal, uh, and and both of them were given you the great opportunity to, to win the game outright but we never won it uh, that was a big disappointment and uh, not just for, for me and the players but for the club because I think things then just it killed it a little bit you know that was um, I think that was maybe the, the, the last of that era that particular team mm-hmm. you know competing with the best in Europe <laughs>